Yeah, I, it's it's a balance of hey, you know, eat the piece of chocolate cake, but also be a little, <laughs> little more hesitant when you're rolling out past that stop sign. You know, like right. yeah. <laughs> you get exactly. both sides. Like you know, exactly. live life to the fullest, but also be very safe. Right, but also don't eat the whole cake. Just have right. Fun, you know? <laughs> Welcome to the Mortuary Show, everybody. Today we have on Lily. She's a funeral director in the lovely, beautiful, sunshine state of Florida. Say hi, Lily. How's your day going today? Hello. My day is going wonderfully. Tell me about it. What did you do today? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's the classic off day, the funeral home off yes. day. Yes. That's uh, a we recharging talk- day. Exactly. We were talking before we, we jumped on that it's such a nice thing that funeral directors get and that not many professions have where you get a day off, like in the middle, at least a lot of funeral homes are like this. You get that day off during the middle of the week to recharge or run around and do your errands when, as opposed to the weekend warriors, they have to do all that stuff on the weekend when there's a lot more plans. I think it's like a cool thing. Um, I don't get to do it as much as I used to, but like, I know a lot of funeral homes kind of have that. What's your schedule like, Lily? What, what does it look like? Usually, week? actually, I have Thursdays off and I work every other weekend. Okay. So that's like a classic schedule yeah. I've seen at a lot of places. Every other weekend, one day off during the week. I've also seen our funeral home used to do it where you would get two days in a row off like on the weekday and be every other weekend, but then you would have like, you know, a 12 day in a row or something like that, where you were just networking nonstop. Yeah. But then the other times you would have like four days off out of six or something. So I don't know, you can pick and choose whatever you prefer in your schedule, but it's cool that we kind of get to to try different things, especially if you bounce around to different funeral homes. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I sometimes though it's, it happens. It seems like it's been happening a lot more recently. I will meet with a family who wants to have their service on Thursday. So wow. I do end up coming in on Thursday or my weekends off just to work a service, but it's oh, just well, part of nice. the profession. That's nice. Like a lot of people wouldn't do that. They would say, okay, other funeral director, like you got it. They put in someone else's shoes, but that's a beautiful touch. You want to see the family through the entire time. Is that? I'm too much thought? of a control freak, <laughs> honestly, but no. Yeah. I, I just want to be there for the family. They feel comfortable with me at the arrangement conference. I don't want to pass them off to somebody else. Um, but yeah. I respect, you know, I respect that sometimes that needs to happen. For um, sure. mm-hmm. But I'm sorry yeah. if you can hear my dogs. Oh, it's all good. My my dog's really here too, so it's all. She'll probably bark any second now that I'm now that we're talking about yeah, her. They, but. they chose now to play with each other, so <laughs> all day they were quiet. They're not therapy dogs. You don't bring them to the to work with you. Oh my god, never. <laughs> I wish. I wish they were well behaved like that. Yep, you and me both. I used to bring her. So my dog's name is Lottie, and I used to bring her when she was a puppy puppy to work because I didn't want to leave her obviously at home by mm-hmm. herself. And it was so challenging because I'm trying to do all my normal work. Then I'm running downstairs to like, I had like a a nice room that I kind of set up for trying to let her outside, cleaning up whatever things she ripped up and messes she made. It was like just the craziest, like first six months when she was a puppy. It was wild. Yeah. I just, I I was still in college when my dog was, my first dog here was a puppy. I would take him to my accounting class with me at night and he would just sleep. But the other dog that we just recently rescued, he is huge and just the biggest goof. So he just can't, he can't, they can't be anywhere near the funeral home. What kind of, what kind of dog is he? The big one? 
I don't even know. He's a mix. Uh, got him from a shelter. Um, every time somebody sees him, they say a new dog breed. So yep. it's like I'm in the same boat with my dog. Like everyone's like, oh, she's this, this, and that, and it's all over the place. But it's nice to come home to him after you know a long day. Absolutely. Get the dogs to, to cuddle with. That's always like a beautiful thing. Um, so whereabouts in Florida are you um, in relation to like the bigger cities? Central Florida area. So right above Orlando underneath Ocala. So right in the middle there. I am taking a vacation tomorrow and I'm going to Tampa Bay Clearwater. Um, like we were talking about this actually before we got on for right. those listening, but one of the best ways for like, if you're in a smaller funeral home, like, well, it seems like you are Lily to get away. Like sometimes you always feel like you're drawn in even on your days off a for sure, a surefire way to make sure that you don't have to go into the office is if you just go on vacation, you go on. Exactly. I actually did get called twice today. <laughs> on the day off. So, but I mean, it is what it is, you know, but, um, but yeah. We know what we've I, signed up for and it's part of, part of the job and part of, you know, what makes it different and makes it special that we're, we are needed and we're wanted by mm-hmm. families and all the rest of our staff, our coworkers, and yeah. we have to rely on each other. And I think that's a good thing that you have that relationship because, um, you know, it makes it challenging. Otherwise, if you aren't kind of open with each other and able to communicate, even when someone is quote unquote off, it's a good thing to still have that balance. Yeah. Communication is definitely key. And I know that saying the place that you work at with people and it's like a family, I know that people don't like to say that, but real, really, I mean, everybody that I work with at the funeral home, we are like a big family. And we've all just been there for That's so long funny. working together and we fight with each other and we see the worst things that we yep. could possibly see back there. Um, but sometimes I feel like I spend more time with them than my actual family. So it, yeah. they just kind of turn into your, your family. It's, it's, it's true. nice. It's true. It's one of the best things about our job is that we're able to build like these connections with the people that we work with on like a deeper, deeper level, because we are seeing things and going through things that are super challenging. And I think that helps build and creates a better connection with other people. And it's the same thing, like when I get to talk to other funeral directors, like on the show and like on social or whatever, there is that like this kind of underlying connection that we all have with each other because we know what we're doing is very Mm -hmm. challenging work but it's also very special to all of us and you wouldn't be in it otherwise if you if you didn't think that yeah exactly and i we all know so much about the industry that isn't known to the public sometimes the questions that i get asked by people who don't work in the industry are like really you don't know that yeah but you know people amongst our industry know everything that goes on so it's easy to connect you know, Absolutely. With one Absolutely. And it's hard to, when you're in it every day, you forget about those things, like saying someone comes in and they don't know something that you would think that they would know. It's hard to like kind of separate being like, I'm under, I'm in this every day. Like you can kind of yeah. get in that zone versus like a family member that's coming in and they don't know exactly what's going on or they yeah. don't know certain terminology. So that's something that you kind of have to balance between the two and still be able to focus on that even if you've been in it for years and years yeah and i hate to use the word jaded but after a while it's like you get so used to it it, you don't you do Mm -hmm. and it's you know people ask that question all the time and i like to think that i do my absolute hardest not to quote unquote feel jaded or like 
just going through the motions. Like I do my, my damnedest not to do that, but I found myself maybe doing that. I had a loss in my family recently, a very close family member of ours. And it completely like opened my eyes and I was like, okay, this is why we do it. Being on the other end, mm -hmm. it really like gives you a whole different perspective and as terrible as it, as it sounds like it, it, it just like helped me to regain like that passion maybe for my day-to-day -day work when you can kind of get in that tough groove of like, oh, we're so busy and I just have to put my nose down and do my job. But yeah. going through like something like that, I was like, wow, okay, what we're doing matters a lot to a lot yeah. of people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, even I've had a family member ask me, you know, before a viewing, are her eyes going to be closed? Crazy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, her eyes are going to be closed. It makes <laughs> and it, it's, it's hard not to laugh. Like, it really is hard not to laugh. But then you have to be like, wow, like, they yeah, really like they, know this some, some people have never been to a funeral, you know, and some people have never been to a funeral, but some people have never had to sit in the office with me and make arrangements. And it's very overwhelming. And it's, to me, it's every day the same information, but to them, it's a lot and it's confusing yes. and being there for them available 24 seven. I think it's so important just so that you are there like to yeah. yeah, because you know, uh, yeah, the funeral home office is open from eight to five and we have answering service around the clock. I may not be on call every day, but right. I never give my phone number out, but I tell them that, you yeah. know, my email is attached to my phone all the time. So if they need anything, yep. I'm always available. And that Absolutely. makes them feel just, just allowing that I'm always available just makes them feel a little bit more like, okay. It's that security, I think. And they know that you're handling your loved one in a big moment in their lives. Mm -hmm. And if they can feel secure with you, that's how you can differentiate yourself and make sure that you're going and doing above and beyond and just making sure you're there for the family, which is everything for them. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I feel like our profession too, every profession has, you know, the really dedicated, really good funeral directors and the people yep. who maybe shouldn't, shouldn't be there or maybe are not in the right profession. But I feel like I just, you know, when I'm away from work, I'm like, I kind of miss it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The chaos being there around those people and everything, you get addicted um, the people to the that chaos. I work with. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I'll be working visitations at the funeral home and I don't know, I can't even count on both my hands how many times people have walked into the funeral home and been like, I really don't want to be here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here all the time. <laughs> I'm here every day. <laughs> it feels on this end. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But you do like, it's a good thing that you, you've fallen in love with it uh, because it's not, it's not for everyone like that that chaos that you're talking about, some people can't stand that. They need mm -hmm. more like structure, but it's part of like what the intrigue is for some people is that you have that every day, you have that sense of like spontaneity, if you will, and Absolutely. like differences in every single day and nothing is ever the same um, sort of deal. Like even during the COVID spike, um, when I was, I was actually working there full time and also going to school, uh, you know, the school that I went to, St. Petersburg, which you'll be right. You'll be right over there. I in will. The area. I'm yeah. St. Pete's, yeah. Uh, St. Petersburg College has a funeral service program. Oh, um, I did okay, most cool. of my embalmings from a distance. 99% of the program I did online, but anything like restorative art, sure. um, they mailed me the 
the things that I would need and um, sent in pictures, but I would do my embalming from a distance. But um, I needed to go there a couple times just in person to prove that I could do it. Right. And um, I would try to recruit people to come work at my funeral home over there if they were looking for jobs, if they were in that area, come work sure. here. I remember one student specifically was like, oh, I don't want to work in the funeral industry re- yet. I want to wait for it to kind of die down a little bit. Like, you know, meaning the COVID spike. And yeah. I was just like, what better time? Well, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what new disease is going to come out. True. And funeral directors are always going to have to be there to pick up the pieces. And, and that's the profession. I was, right? I, I said to this girl, I was like, now is the best time to get in there. You're going to yes. learn the most. But a lot of people don't realize that you need to have that flexibility So that you don't break. You need to bend so you don't break. You need to constantly, you can't plan out your day, you know, like blocks. Everything's going to change. Everything could change within a second. Exactly. And that's what can frustrate you. If, if you are one of those people, like that's what some, some individuals don't understand that don't come from the industry. You can't have that set schedule because like, if you try to do it, and then things change, it's just going to be a frustration. Yeah. And then that's going to cause like those breaking points when you're, when you're like, I can't take this anymore. It's because like things aren't going the way you probably are foreseeing it to go. Um, also on top of that, I was going to say, what a fantastic point. There's not a better time to learn like during the time when you were in school and working full time. Mm-hmm. Like that's also impressive. Like, geez, you were able to do school and full time working. That's incredible. Um, I just looking back, I don't know how I did it every day off that I have. I take so many naps. I don't know how you can take so many naps in a day, but I do (laughs) to recharge. Well, thankfully you're, you're done with that and you're able to kind of focus on the job and, uh, rather than just craziness. So were you doing like embalming? Do you mean like offsite away from campus or what did you mean? Like, um, you know, from the funeral home. So I would, uh, embalm at the funeral home. And then have my manager sign off and fill out kind of alongside the embalming report that I filled out for the funeral home, uh-huh. another embalming report for school. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So so when you went to like back to school to show them you could do it, were you nervous or how were you feeling when you had to do that? I, the, the coordinator of the funeral services program, his name's Kevin Davis. He can be very intimidating. He's very respected or like I respect him so much and he's helped guide me through the whole process. Um, But you could tell he's the type of professor that's hard on his students because he wants you to succeed and it only benefits you in the end. So I was intimidated because I didn't want to look, I I knew my stuff, you know, I, I'd been embalming before I even took embalming one for probably about a year. Yeah. I'd been embalming for about a year before I even started embalming one. So I was very confident in my stuff to have. Yeah. I was so confident. But once he was there watching me, I was like, don't look stupid. Don't look stupid. (laughs) But of course you'd get, you know, Nick this vein. I cannot do it. Yeah. And of course, I mean that that's the only time that I've snapped a ephemeral artery. Oh, no. Classic. I was in front of him and I was like oh. you'd be like it was it was sclerotic it was sclerotic don't worry about it it's not my fault I was like um I broke it and he was like well then go find it <laughs> I, yeah. I was like okay go get I... those forceps and get down there like yeah, let's go like, we're not oh, messing no. around here but of course oh. when you're embalming um there in school at St. Pete you get 
you don't really get the easiest cases to work with you know you I'm get. sure it's mm -hmm. it's the same same sort of thing here in in chicago you don't have the easiest workload or caseload and that's probably a good thing and it helps you to learn if you're dealing with very challenging cases when you're coming up you should be able to do just about anything I oh yeah because realistically the bodies that we had at the school um would not be embalmed for a public viewing because of the state right. before we got them yep but yep. Absolutely. I know how to do it if needed be. <laughs> yeah. If, if push came to shove, like I'm able to do it. I don't want to do it, but if I have to do it, right, right. you got to do what you have to do. Yeah. I was What's also, a... I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was say, I was also lucky to be able to start restorative art too. So mm -hmm. I actually, before I was able to um, embalm with a license, I was mm -hmm. doing cosmetics strictly. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned a lot more about restorative art first when I was working at the funeral home and just regular cosmetics and everything like that. But okay. once I started embalming, I could see the process during embalming of how to cosmetize even Through as you're embalming. Yeah. Yes. And the restorative the art best, aspects of it too. Is, yeah. I think that's my favorite way to get the, the best coloring mm -hmm. depending on like the person's complexion and everything through the embalming because you're able to control that and it's kind of sustainable and it's more even and it doesn't look, uh, it looks more natural. So I think there's not a better way in the world than getting good color through the embalming. So that's why I always like to use, well, depending on the situation, like different sort of colors to match, you know, if you have a photo to say, okay, like I can go a little bit more pinkish with this mm -hmm. person, or if I need to go a little bit darker, or if I have to go with a tanner look, which yeah. hopefully I'll be in a couple of days, but <laughs> <laughs> it's Chicago here. It's, it's winter. It's brutal. So I, Oh need my it. gosh. Even my family here, I don't, I'm not tan. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how you've been living in Florida for two years. How are you not tan? I'm like, I, I work in a windowless room. And when yeah. I'm outside, I'm wearing a black coat. <laughs> I'm not going to tan. Where are you from originally? Where's your family at? Rhode Island. Oh, wow. So a yeah. big, big move mm -hmm. all the yeah. way down the coast. Very Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. What brought, you, what, what brought you down there in the first place? Jobs. Got it. Yeah. Okay. The industry actually up north is not as, um, not as willing to welcome in newcomers, I feel. Oh, okay. So I found that funeral homes down south are actually more progressive when okay. it comes to uh, women in the industry. Yeah. And, okay. you know, because a lot more funeral homes up north are family-based, too. They don't really want to yeah. let, you know, people who aren't family in. Outsiders in general. Right, right. Yeah. But I was told by, like, other funeral – several funeral home owners because I was trying to get in to a bunch of different places that, you uh -huh. know, I don't – you know – you know, can, you can't really lift much, can you? You know, like, I don't know if you can handle uh, this, da, 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 You don't need any of that. Well, it sounds like you found, like, a really good spot with people that, I mean, you've become so close with. So I think you made the right move, it seems, yeah. so far. Yeah, it definitely was. Best decision I've ever made. I love it. Mm -hmm. And you get some, some more warmer weather, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, when it's cold now, I just get really, like, really mad about it. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like I don't understand how this could happen. Like, if it was forty-five right now here, I'd be wearing shorts and a t-shirt. So yeah, but when it's forty-five here, I'm like, it's frigid. This isn't this isn't what I thought. This isn't what I thought. No. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on, just a second.
All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. What, what made you start looking into funeral service in the first place, um, you know, back at home in Rhode Island? Um, originally when I, so I actually have my bachelor's degree first in okay. business and then I got my associates oh. in funeral services. But nice. when I was going to school at Rhode Island college, I originally went in for nursing okay. and I chose that because I had lost both of my grandmothers within six months of each other. They oh, were both under hospice sorry. care. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, both hospice nurses were absolutely amazing with both of them so it really pushed me forward i was already in the nursing field but it pushed me towards hospice nursing and that they really inspired one of the hardest types of nursing that you could ever go through yeah they did they really inspired me but um when you know when both of them passed they another thing that i was really appreciative of and interested in was the the funeral homes and i had this you know, my first grandmother um, had kind of a basic direct cremation uh, mm. with her ashes cremated remains. She wanted scattered, and then we had yeah. a church service and everything. And then mm. my other one was a full traditional casket placed in a mausoleum. So I got to see both aspects. Right. So it was really Very different types of service. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hospice nursing, but I found myself really, really more interested in the unknown of the funeral services and what goes on behind the scenes and embalming was the main thing. I really just wanted to be an embalmer. Yeah. Okay. The science and the art of embalming. Uh After I'm doing my research about it, I just fell in love with it. And that's what I wanted to do. I figured that out when I was like 19 and I was after a year in college, my, my dad was like, well, finish up with business. And then, yeah, and then see if I mean, you, you like it so you have something to fall back on if you don't. Well, it's also a, a great combination, like having some business background mm-hmm. with your science. Like that's that's what I studied for my undergrad. Like I studied entrepreneurship and physiology. So there there's like – I was talking about this the other day actually that our industry combines so many different aspects of like, like quote-unquote studying. Mm-hmm. I keep saying that today, quote-unquote. I don't know what's with me. <laughs> Um, but so many aspects of different different studies, whether it's science, art, business, uh, psychology, therapy, like we have all these kind of things meshed into one job. And there's even more than that. There's a, a million different things. But it's cool that if you if you have a couple of those that you're good at, it's like, oh, this is kind of a good mesh. Just just like you, I, I think like the business and the, the science. Yeah. I mean, I, I joke all the time and I tell people if I knew how much schooling actually went into being a funeral director, I probably wouldn't do it <laughs> because you have to, you got to know science and the psychology yeah. and then the law that really killed me. Yes. Um, but 
it was worth it. It was worth it in the end. But I like no to doubt. say that, you know, I'm an embalmer and a funeral director. And I'm also a makeup artist and a nail tech. And, right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I also, um, you know, do the arrangements, set up the flower arrangements, get the, you know, everything all done and done up looking nice. So exactly. There's a million things that we do every day. And mm-hmm. it's something that needs to be appreciated, I think, by by more people. And that's what we kind of why we do what we do. Yeah, it's kind of the hidden, thankless industry that yes. you're, you're aware of when you go into these things yeah. need to be done behind the scenes. But my biggest qualm with it is that a lot of things are just such a taboo in our society here in America. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, have you ever, are you familiar with Caitlin Doty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people in the industry don't really like her very much. Um, I actually, before I was in the industry, I started reading her books, but she just came out with, uh, it wasn't recent, probably a few years ago. She had, um, what's the name of that book? She's written a couple, hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, there was one. Yeah, there was one where she basically traveled around the entire world and talked about death practices in different countries. Yeah. And I just feel like ours here is the most hidden. Okay. And not as appreciative. Yeah. Because maybe it is because, and that's like a lot of what kind of we're trying to do is show some of those behind the scene things because then people are like holy crap yeah these people do a lot and they do a lot of really really hard things and i think maybe it is part of like our culture that maybe um americans don't like talking about death just in general and like I not think, even yeah. about funeral I mean, service so they don't even want to yeah. know when it's other parts like i just talked to two people from europe the past couple of weeks for this show so you should listen to them because it's a very different mindset um actually between the different countries it's they're all different too but there's definitely less of a i don't know if it's a scare like people are scared of it or people don't want to think about dying or but it is such a big part of life and that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And you, and if you just kind of block that out, then that's when you have people resisting it so hard and resisting and thinking people that have to do with that are bad people because you're resisting like the whole death in general. So maybe that's my slight take on it potentially. I don't know what you think about it though. No, absolutely. I mean, people are so afraid of death and dying here that yeah, they don't want to see anything else with you know within the industry, and that's why I really uh, I do like the death positive side yeah. of you know the industry that Absolutely. kind of says you know this is something that's going to happen. We need to be more comfortable with it. It's a natural part of life. I like to say that it, it makes life worth living. Yeah. So looking looking at death and being appreciative of it, I feel like is the best way. There's and no doubt. It's, you know, when it comes to mourning, people here don't grieve very well. They don't understand how to grieve. They don't, they don't want to let themselves grieve. They don't think that it's normal. And it's so normal. Um, Different cultures celebrate their dead. Yeah. Dia de los Muertos. Every year, Mm -hmm. they set up shrines for their, their loved ones who've passed and keep remembering them and push, you know, keep them in, you know, their regular practices day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but here, I just feel like we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about pre-planning. Uh, when yeah. somebody dies, you don't want to go talking about them. 
you just kind of want to move forward. And I feel like when I've been around, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. But you know, when somebody's passed away, if I have a friend who's lost a loved one and I bring up their loved one in conversation or ask them about their loved one, I feel like nine times out of 10, they're like, I'm shocked you're even asking me about it because all I've wanted to do is talk, talk about my loved one who I lost. But nobody yeah. wants to talk to me about it because nobody wants to upset me. Yes. And I think maybe it does come from like a good place in that res- part of it comes from a good place in that respect that we don't want to upset or offend people. But I think that's a whole different can of worms that yeah. that, that we have issues with. Like we don't want to upset. But like, like you just said, Lily, people want to talk about it. Like they want to keep remembering their loved one and keep them in their lives like for as long as they possibly can forever, ideally. And I think what funeral directors try to do is make that last memory so special that it will stick with them. Yeah. I think that's part of what my goal is. And a lot of people is what we're doing at the final disposition, whatever that may be, is to make it special and make it memorable so that they have a beautiful last memory because Mm -hmm. oftentimes they don't have that great last memory, whether it was in, of course, you're going to have the best care and hospice like, you had for your both your grandmas but seeing someone in that state is very challenging and it's mm-hmm. very like difficult and it's upsetting but if you can as a funeral director bring kind of a positive last outlook last memory in any way that makes it all the better yeah and that's why families go home with keepsakes that's why pe- people yeah. go home with thumbprint jewelry that's why they pay all this money to have the beautiful most beautiful monument that they can create yeah. um but uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to spend the money. That's a whole different. You know, it, it, that that is another that is another thing. But it's the concept of well, I'm dead, so it doesn't matter. But right. I don't know. It, that's it, that like you were saying earlier. That's a whole another can of worms. But it is. It is. But you're still here. Yeah. And like you're, like you were emotionally attached and mentally and physically attached to someone. You have to let that memory live inside you, and it's just it. It's so much more touching. It, it it makes life so much more special. And I think, Lily, what you said earlier was a beautiful point that funeral directors have a great perspective on is that because we're around death so much, it makes you appreciate the time you have every single day. Mm-hmm. It's very different than other people that kind of block it off totally. We see it all the time. So we're able to say, hey, you never know when your last one's going to be. So why not make today like special? Why not make it today great or make someone else's day fantastic? Because of course it makes you feel good. It's a whole reciprocal thing. So I think that's a whole part of what, what we try to do. Yeah. I, it's, it's a balance of, Hey, you know, eat the piece of chocolate cake, but also be a little, <laughs> little more hesitant when you're rolling out past that stop sign, you know, like right. yeah. <laughs> you get exactly. both sides, like, you know, exactly. live life to the fullest, but also be very safe. Right. But also don't eat the whole cake. Just have a right. bite. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's the whole thing. It's the balance. Eat cake. Don't do drugs. It's <laughs> You can find greatness without <laughs> doing drugs. Exactly. So so what what is your favorite part um, about being a funeral director? It seems like uh, you enjoy the prep room side of things. Am I correct on that? I really do. I really, um, I really like being in the prep room. Uh, but I also really love the connections that I have with my families. Yeah. So, you know, my my training 
started mostly in the prep room. So even to this day, I've probably spent more time in the prep room. Yeah. But, um, you know, my manager wants me to, which he, he's like my Mr. Miyagi of funeral services. He's <laughs> guided me with the, like, the best head That's on his shoulders. Really... He's, he's there for me all the time. I mean, he's just awesome. So Very he's nice. kind of put me up front and uh, let me get my feet wet up there. But I still kind of say, hey, you know, like, I wouldn't mind spending more time in the back. And he's like, you know, you're great at what you do in the back, but don't limit yourself to just right. being in the back. So right. I do a little bit of both. I see, you know, the the good and bad parts of both of them, but I really sure. do love the embalming. Yeah, it's nice that you get the experience of doing both because not everyone gets that mm -hmm. depending on where you're at. Like it's either like this is your role and that's what you do. And it's nice to have both because being in the prep room is something that is challenging to do for your entire career, like the whole length of it. So it's good to kind of have like um, a little bit of experience in both. Obviously, you do it as long as you possibly can if, if that's what you love to do. But it's a very physically like grueling type of job. So if you you know, you've been a funeral director for 40 years, like some, like a lot of people are mm -hmm. they're like, oh, maybe I'm going to switch to, you know, meeting more with families, but it's kind of like a cyclical type of type of job. And that's, what's cool about it is that you can work in different areas and different aspects and it keeps every day fresh. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to have all of those skills and keep all of them. And I like yeah. to, I, I don't, like, yeah, you see you see people in the industry that just meet with families. They don't really go in the back. They don't really mm -hmm. embalm. You know, they don't want to go back there. Um, right. But a lot of times, too, I mean, you have funeral directors that haven't even been on a house call. You know, so I like Crazy. I like to, you know, if an opportunity comes up that somebody needs to go on a house call, I like to go out on that. Go embalm right. a body if, if somebody needs to. I you know, I, I just want to be more of a well-rounded funeral well, director. Course, I right. want to, yeah. That's a good thing because, I mean, it seems like you love where you're at, but if you ever needed to or wanted to leave for whatever reason it would be, it's good to have experience in all different ways because then you're such an asset to so many funeral homes. Like you're not just limited into, I'm only can do this aspect. So it makes you like a desirable like person for other funeral homes. That and I feel like, if you get a call for your funeral, like I work at a central care facility. So if we get a call for central care facility would mean that our funeral home embalms and prepares all the bodies for different locations associated with that funeral home. Got it. Okay. So I believe, yeah. So there's three other funeral homes aside from our own. Got it. So okay. we, we embalm casket dress, not in that order, but yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we get those bodies ready and we'll staff their uh, funeral services. And, yeah. you know, we keep all the coaches here at our location too. So, but we, we, if used I, to, we used to do the same, same sort of thing. I just didn't, I've never heard that terminology. So that's central care. What no. did you have a, like a term for it? No, we just said, uh, we do all our prep work at this facility. I don't know. Oh, okay. Have, okay. You know, a, a thing, but that, that's very much more tasteful way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my the funeral home that I work for is corporate run. So we, I, I've never worked for a family run business, but I think that they kind of just have this central care. They call it the prep facility, but it's also it. a funeral home. So, cool. um, but, you know, if I get a call for my funeral home, 
and it's a house call and I know I'm going to take on that case later, I would like to be present at that call because it makes the family You're there beginning to end. Exactly. Yeah. And like, that's why I would come in on my days off to work a service because it's beginning to end. You know, I can't, I can't be there on the house call and bomb that body, meet with the family and then just not show up for the funeral. Right. You right. Know? So I feel like that makes you a better director. That makes you connect with the families more. It makes the families feel more comfortable. Yeah, it sure does. I love that. That's a huge thing. That's a beautiful thing. Great thing that you do. Um, okay. And another question for you. Do you have any good stories about challenging cases you've dealt with, right? It seems like you've done a good amount of restorative stuff. So is there anything in particular that kind of sticks out that you've been through that would, we have funeral directors, just funeral directors pretty much that listen to this. So anything that would interest, you know, the common funeral director, mortician? The common funeral director, I mean, <laughs> you know, just your basic, you know, motorcycle accident, car accident. Yeah. Usually it's skull restoration. I mean, it's pretty great. I, I did have one girl that was in a motorcycle accident, and um, she survived in the hospital for quite some time. They actually removed part of her skull. So oh, when she came dang. into my care, yeah. So when she came into my care, she was autopsied, but she, uh -huh. you know, I'm looking for this other part of her skull. Right. You know. Whoa. So what am I supposed to do? So we have these um, styrofoam heads that you would use yep. to display wigs. So yeah. I basically kind of measured the part on the head no that was missing, cut it out of the styrofoam and used that. So you have to be oh, really creative, genius. right? That is genius. <laughs> yeah. And so so did you have a wig that covered or what did you do after that then? Well, her half of her head was shaved. So I wanted to, I didn't know if the family was going to bring in a wig. This actually wasn't, my family it was actually for another location that we had. Okay. But, um, you know, half of her head was shaved, so I, I wanted to make sure that it was presentable enough that nobody would see the difference. Yeah. You know, if they did keep her head that way, I didn't know if they were bringing in a wig. So we went ahead with the styrofoam, and um, I don't know if you are familiar with, like, mortuary putty, if you use yeah. that. So yeah. I used a lot of that just to even out around the styrofoam. Yeah. And that's, wow. yeah. That's really interesting. What a great idea. Uh, I, w I don't know what I would have done in that circumstance, but that is like, I mean, I couldn't think of a better way to possibly do it than that. That would be, that's just genius. Yeah. I mean, did, you, I, did you adhere it like using putty too, or did you use some glue. sort of, yeah. Just glue say, <laughs> and yeah. then putty around it. You, need it, you yeah. need it to be like solidified in there in case mm -hmm. there's some sort of movement or touching or anything like that. Yeah. And the only reason that I was had had thought to do something like that is because we keep the styrofoam heads there for the reason being of if somebody was in any sort of traumatic accident and their skull broken into too many pieces to put back together, you just cut off the top part of the styrofoam head and kind of use that as filler. Wow. Okay. Cause we, we've always had one in my prep room and I'm like, why is, why is this in here? Like, why is this thing in here? I was like, oh, we just throw the wigs on there and hope, you know, make sure that they're setting nicely. But that's a whole different use that we, we have it for, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if you ever run into that, go get yeah. some styrofoam heads from your local uh, hair supply store. I, <laughs> that's all I, you need. I am hoping that this isn't jinxing me for a challenging case coming up. <laughs> but if it happens, I'm, I am now prepared and I'm definitely going to be calling you. To, yeah, to absolutely. I mean, so I, you know, besides that, um, for really having to kind of use my, no pun intended, use my noggin, um, 
on what to do. Uh, I haven't really seen any sort of crazy out of the ordinary basic restoration for ears or eyes if lost to cancer. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was that was a big one. Well, that was very interesting. Like I that that's something that I have not. I mean, I've had different shattering things, and I was able to kind of piece it back together myself, like gunshot wounds and other yeah. wounds like that, um, and doing some hair restoration. But I've never had to like a whole segment exposed, like, kind of like that. So that's yeah. that's really uh, a good thing to know in case I ever run across that in the future. Yeah, I mean, ba- ba- for you know, car accidents and stuff like that, most of the time you're lucky to have it broken up into maybe five or six pieces that yeah. you can just put back together with some glue and call That's it a really day. True. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. You just never know what the level of trauma you're going to get back there. Exactly. Love it. Well, Lily, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you gave us a great your fun fact at the end here that I think a lot of film directors are going to learn. Yeah, from keep it. that in the, keep that in the back of your mind. If you ever run into that. that, I'm going to keep that in here. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks for uh, a really fun conversation. It was great getting to talk to you, getting to hear like your different takes and aspects of funeral service. I really like a lot of your mentalities. We share a lot of the same kind yeah, of point of views so on much. how we do it. And uh, we just appreciate you and everything that you do every day. And um, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.